This is the Kansas City series of the Power of Investing in People podcast. It is a tribute to the leaders who make up my local community. They share their heartfelt stories, just like all my guests do. And I wanted to bring attention to the city that is smack dab in the middle of the country that most only fly over or have a layover. If you haven't had the Kansas City experience yet, then I encourage you to spend some time here and enjoy all the barbecue and arts and sports and entertainment, the healers and the goodness that this city has to offer. My special guest today shares how she was bullied and then became a bully. And now Alex McAnderson has left corporate finance to tap into her incredible healing gifts with that special touch. Stay tuned to her inspiring journey. You won't want to miss it. Hello, you are listening to The Power of Investing in People with Shay Sparks. I had the honor of being on the show with Shay and wow, how authentic she is and how much I know that she wants to keep hope alive in the community. So thank you all for joining. And everyone here today, I'm offering a special to all active duty or retired military to my all access on-demand training where we learn how to dream, believe, and achieve our best life. Please visit at timlanefitness.com and I'll see you all soon. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we get you fired up about your life and your business by transforming trauma into treasure. Check out my new collaborative co-author book called Hashtag Firestarters, How to Be a Spark of Hope in the Midst of Change, on my website at shaysparks.com. And while you're there, I invite you to connect with me on all my social media links and also feel free to go ahead and subscribe, follow on your favorite podcast platform. And today our guest is the amazing Alex McAnderson. Hello. Hi everyone. Honored to be here. Well, Alex and I, gosh, I'm so excited to do this because we're on the Kansas City series mm-hmm. <laughs> of uh, my show and I don't even know how we got connected. I know it was on Facebook several years ago. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then our mutual friend Beth had a uh, invited me to a girls' circle night out that you do. So. And that's how we met in person. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for for being here. It's an honor. No, thank you for having me. I'm excited to serve. Yes, and then you became my mentor, my teacher, and Reiki, and so I can't wait to dive in. Yes, 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 yes. I'm excited. I'm like, this is one hour, right? Because I feel like we can get like 12 hours of content just Uh hanging out. Absolutely. (laughs) Always, always. Right. Uh, Yeah. So I always start off with the first question of what does investing in people mean to you? However, normally when I'm uh, at my desk... I read your bio, so tell us a little bit about yourself before we continue. Yeah, so I am Alejandra Villalobos McAnderson, which is quite a mouthful. (laughs) People call me Alex McAnderson. I am the owner of Villalobos Vitality, which is a wellness company here in Kansas City. And I do a little bit of everything from corporate wellness to Reiki to intuitive healing, everything that has to do with the soul. So being able to live a prosperous, fruitful life through the connection of mind, body, and spirit. Mm. And so that's kind of my calling to lead healers and heal leaders. Mm, I love that. Mm -hmm. Heal leaders. I love that. Mm -hmm. So brings me to our first question. What does investing in people mean to you? So to me, I really believe that we're all a collective, even Mm. though we don't feel that way at times, especially now, like we are one. So when you heal, I heal. When I heal, you heal. So every time that I invest in others, it's really helping the collective. It's Mm -hmm. helping all of us move 
into a place of harmony, into a place of peace together. And I feel like sometimes we forget about, I always say, like, don't be a selfish Buddha, right? Like we gain all of this wisdom from our own traumas and our own stories. And I think it's really important to be able to share that knowledge, Mm -hmm. that wisdom, that love with others. I completely agree, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is why we're drawn to each other, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, we're definitely all connected, and we have so much to give once we've healed that I just totally believe that when the student is ready, the teacher appears, and when the teacher is ready, the student appears. Absolutely, yes, and it's always that symbiotic relationship, right, where we're both learning from one another and we're both growing. And I think for me, it's you're constantly doing that, what I call it, it's kind of like a, a sideways shuffle. So like mm-hmm. your neutral point is you now as an adult, and it's like we shuffle to one side which is our inner child healing and we're looking at our things and we're healing ourselves and then we come back to neutral to kind of integrate and then we shovel to the other side which is then giving and sharing that wisdom that knowledge with others so it's like knowing where you're at and what you need in the moment if you need to shuffle a little bit to the left if you need to come and be with yourself and integrate or if you need it's time to go ahead and share that wisdom so i feel like that life is kind of it starts to be almost like a dance Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like when you are in flow and you kind of are listening to that, that heartbeat, which is, to me, it's almost like a drum, then you know which place you're at. And if you're trying to go against the beat or you're trying to force something, then you might feel a little stuck or a little bit feel like you're tripping, like you have two left legs. Mm-hmm. But it's like as soon as you let go and you kind of that's for me, like my, my little path, I always know, okay, where am I at right now? Cause it's not, I'm not always going to be in giving mode. I'm not always going to be in receiving mode, but what does my heart, what does my soul, what does my body need right now? Beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love that. So tell us, you mentioned the word Reiki. So tell us, tell the listeners who might not know what that is or have any, never heard that before go, yeah. what in the world is that? So Reiki, it's a Japanese form of um, energetic healing. It's when you translate Reiki from Japanese to English, it's just universal life force energy. But to me, when I think about universal life force energy, when I think about that, to me, it's more of like God's breath, Mm. right? So we are God's breath, like living through us. And so for a long time, I think that I, when I thought of healing, when I thought of energy work, it didn't really resonate with me because I thought it was so far away from me, like, because I believed that God was outside of me. Mm. And so Reiki was the thing that really opened the door for me to be able to look within and to be like, oh no, he lives within me Mm. and he lives within you. And he lives in the plants and in the trees and in all of these things in this collective, this oneness that we talk, we were talking about. And so Reiki was kind of the thing that really opened the door for me to believe that there's so much more to this life than the things that I can see. And it allowed me to tap into more of how I feel. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just energy healing and you learn it through a teacher, right? So that's how we got connected. So we learned the different hand positions. We learned about the the history of Reiki, where it comes from, the origin. And it's a very beautiful lineage. Mm -hmm. And that's the part that I think it's so, so beautiful because we can trace it back all the way, you know, to the creator who was gifted with this gift. Uh, And I am so honored to have trained under you Mm -hmm. for it. Because I love how you're, this isn't like a new agey thing. You're really bringing God into it as you're the vessel Mm -hmm. for his work. And when I think of Reiki, I always go back to Karate Kid, Mm -hmm. uh, Mr. Miyagi, when he claps his hand together and rubs them together and then he places it on Daniel's knee. Mm -hmm. And that to me is, is really the essence of what we're doing is being able to heal, but we're the vessel. Yep pulling that energy from God, from source and, and being that vessel, like you said, and then putting in a specific place. So then that area, or sometimes it's a feeling or, um, an emotion is able to release, right? 
It's all these blocks that we have within the body that can create disease. Mm -hmm. And we can assist others or teach others to do Reiki on themselves to be able to clear those blockages so that they can be this open vessel. And the more open that you are, the more clear you are, the easier it is for this energy to flow through you. And then you can be in that state of flow. So beautiful. And I love how you said about the dance, because that's really what we're constantly doing is in a dance with ourselves. Mm -hmm. Where are we going? Where we came from? And what do we need to know to move forward? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think like those blockages, it's almost like what's coming forth is like, it's almost like it doesn't allow you to hear the music. Mm, Yeah. So then you're just like, almost it feels very like a puppet. Right, mm-hmm. where you're just like, what is pulling me this way? And and there's a lot of confusion, and you don't really know where you're going. You can feel very dark, and it's just like this block that is preventing you from hearing the music. And it's and you need to stop to be able to be like, okay, what is this? Do I hear something? And once you release those blocks, and you start to kind of hear and feel, and then that's the next step, right? You hear the music, and then you level up, and then you feel the music, mm-hmm. and then before you know it, you're just kind of flowing right with what needs to happen within life then you understand that you know you have a whole support system and that the universe and god are working for you instead of against you and i think we were usually go from defense mode Mm -hmm. to just release mode Mm -hmm. and allow mode so you literally almost, I say, go back to factory settings as kids (laughs) and you start to kind of rewire yourself Mm -hmm. from the inside out you yeah. heal from the inside out. Mm, I love it. One of the things that I coach with my coaching clients is that this happened for you, not to you. Mm-hmm. And so you say that so beautifully with the dance. And I, I feel like at some point you become the music too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So I know you didn't start out into this world <laughs> but you had a whole nother life before yeah, all this it kind so of kinda, finds you right yeah so kind of take us back to what you were doing before you before reiki found you yeah so i feel like i had many like lifetimes before this i went to school for media communications at baker university and then after that i had a couple corporate jobs always really in client services i always had that servant's heart of wanting to help and assist so everything from you know working at a fafsa call center and helping people fill out that tedious paperwork, government paperwork to get loans for school to, I used to be assistant director at a preschool as well. And that really helped me kind of build up my leadership skills and also my patience with children and really learn about children and how they operate and just seeing things from their perspective. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I was in finance. So I ran the client services division for a big local corporate RIA. And that was very left brain. And I enjoy that. I can jump into that very quickly. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely a doer. But Reiki was the thing that allowed me to find the being, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of just the constant doing. Because if you're constantly in that state of doing, then you're going to burn yourself out. You almost feel a little imbalanced because if you're just doing and doing, you're like, wow, is, is this it, right? And it's in the being, in the stopping and in solitude and being with yourself. And you're like, oh, there's so much more. That's the integration piece. That's the rest. That's the nurturing mm-hmm. that we sometimes don't allow ourselves to have or to we give ourselves. And so Reiki was the thing that helped me kind of find that balance in my life. But it was definitely not easy taking that that leap of faith from... <laughs> you know, a very conservative business role in corporate America Mm -hmm. to my own business, my own LLC, and the complete different side of the spectrum, you know, Mm -hmm. teaching people. But that's the whole thing. Like, I had to learn how to do those things myself so that I could teach. So, you know, I love, like, that quote that's always online, like, healers aren't here to fix you. Like, they've, they've you know, have grown from the pits of the mud in the trenches <laughs> and have clawed their way out mm-hmm. and have a little bit of guidance and, and wisdom to share, you know? Yeah, for sure. So is there a, a defining moment in time that you were like, you know what, I am... I've Reiki, this thing called Reiki has found me. Yes. And I think it's time for me to, to let corporate go 
and move into entrepreneurship? Yes. So my surrender point was definitely in a cacao ceremony. Um, and I'm going to pause right there. So please explain what a cacao yes. is. So cacao is unprocessed chocolate. So it comes from Mexico and Latin America and it's, you know, from 600 BC. It's it's very special to me because it's kind of part of my lineage and my ancestry. But w- what it is is unprocessed cacao beans. Mm-hmm. And so you have them in ceremony, a hard opener. So it allows you to really let go of the mind and step into the heart. And you kind of surrender and you're able to hear and feel things almost from a higher perspective. And so I actually quit my corporate job like a month before I went to go do my Reiki masters in San Diego, not knowing what I was going to do. I thought it's just this specific role that isn't a fit or that I've outgrown. I'll find another one when I get back. Mm -hmm. And they're like, no. Um, So (laughs) in this beautiful cacao ceremony, I remember just my heart feeling so open and just feeling the sensation of like you are supported Mm. you are supported it doesn't matter like your fears it's letting go of that fear and it really had a lot to do with like my history like my dad had his own business growing up you know i we moved from mexico when i was five so he was trying to do everything that he could for his family and so he was never around he was always he had his own freight company so he's a truck driver so he would be home i mean There was a time where he was home maybe um, a couple of days every other month. And so that trauma, right, Mm -hmm. that as a child of not having my father be present, I was like, I never want that. I never want to be a business owner. I never want to have, and I would see how tired he was Mm. and the paperwork. And I was like, I never want that kind of responsibility. So I was like, heck no. And, but in that moment, it was like, this is your purpose. Mm. When are you going to stop fighting it? When are you going to stop chasing everything else? Like, right. And I just felt so much love and support that I finally surrendered. And I said, okay, okay. When I get back, like, it's time. And I think that that's usually what I hear when it's time to try something new and, and to step into that fire, to step into that fear. I just hear those words, like, it's time. Mm. I love that. Mm-hmm. And I love that you bring up your... Your lineage and your your dad, I know uh, also there's uh, something to do with your grandmother Mm -hmm. in all of this as well. So would you share with that? Yes. My maternal grandmother is probably like my favorite human in the world. And she lives in California now, but growing up, she was the person that really opened the door when it came to spirituality and also that it's not just one thing because my grandmother is very Catholic, Mm -hmm. right? So I think sometimes there's this duality between spirituality and religion. A lot of the times it's like, you need to pick one, you need to pick one team. And I don't believe in that. I think that it's all about take what you need and leave the rest, right? Mm -hmm. So I think Everything has a beautiful way of coming together, supporting one another. So she really loved nature and herbs. And we used to go into the woods and take these beautiful walks. Maybe when I was younger, I didn't appreciate them as much as now. (laughs) I'd be like, oh, we're going to go get eucalyptus again. (laughs) Um, But now I'm like, wow. And she would teach us, you know, about the different herbs and why she would pick Mm -hmm. them. And, and she, it's like her prized possession. It's, she has this huge huge bottle of like rubbing alcohol and she would just put her herbs in there and when we'd get sick she would take this and like rub it on our feet and our bodies and you know when you're little you're like that smells funny (laughs) (laughs) but now I'm like wow and I see and she keeps adding to it and and I'm like wow that's been that medicine bottle has Mm. I don't even know how many hundreds you know of different herbs in there and it's just like this magic, this magic that, that that's instilled in there. It's crazy to see as an adult, right, when you go back and see all of those moments that as a child or young adult, you didn't think were a big deal. Mm-hmm. But now you're like, wow, that was very important in my life. And you go back and you appreciate those moments even more. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I've been doing lately is like really reshifting even the trauma in my past with a sense of gratitude. Mm. And that's almost 
changing the energetic composition of those memories and you know even the trauma where it's not a block anymore but yeah. more of like a launch pad now that mm-hmm. I can use that that wisdom and that knowledge and that experience to to grow absolutely there's something when there's something that happens I believe to our not just ourselves but our our higher self but our soul that when you acknowledge that that trauma happened Mm -hmm. and then be able to go okay what did i learn from this rather than being in a different mindset of i can't believe this happened to me why me Mm -hmm. it's like why not me how can i use this like you said for your purpose Mm -hmm. so how has what you've gone through you said trauma and you brought up your dad. Was there something else that you have gone through that you learned from that you're like, now you know that this is propelling you? Yes. So I haven't really shared this with a lot of people, but I was honored to be part of the Heart Connection this summer. Brad's a great friend. And he's like, hey, you're always serving. You do retreats on your own. Like, why don't you come and receive? Mm. And I, you know, in my busy mind at times, I really jump in that left brain. I was like, yeah, I can come down for a weekend and just participate. Sure. Not knowing that this was going to this was going to be some work Mm. like this is going to be some work. And so they, you know, broke it up into three parts. And I remember in the first part. I went in and I was talking about all the things that really have affected me, like my my being an immigrant and not fitting in with a predominantly white town and, and city and not having friends growing up, the way that my parents raised me. and But I always felt like this undertow. There was something else mm-hmm. and I didn't know what that was. And so I asked after the first BT, like, I'm ready to look at this, whatever this is. And... It was a couple days later, you know, I do a lot of meditation. I feel like when you pray, you're, you know, sending your requests and talking to God. And when you meditate, you're, you hear him. Mm-hmm. And so it's about having both. A couple of days later, when I went into meditation and they're like, you know, it's, it's time. And they showed me this scene that I have, I've had in my mind my whole life and not to get into the details, but there was some sexual trauma. I experienced as a three-year-old that I was unaware of and I had to revisit that moment and feel it in my body Mm -hmm. and understand why I hid it and why I was in my subconscious mind for so long. But it was also very beautiful because that week that I found out randomly on my calendar, I had like a whole week set up of sessions for myself. Mm, You know, I had a session with a hypnotherapist and and a massage therapist and another Reiki practitioner. And it was almost like it was already aligned for me to be able to process a lot of what I felt. Mm -hmm. And what was really beautiful, it's the timing of it, right? Versus like I had to feel, I had to process it through my body, being able to see it from that higher perspective where they showed me like, even in this moment, even these, all of these moments, because they showed me how that affected all of these other things, you were never alone. So it's almost like you got to be, what I always say, it's almost, you know, like the movie, like the Scrooge or a, a, Chris, it's a Christmas story. Yeah. Christmas right? Carol. A Christmas Carol. Yes. So you get to go to these moments and almost like see them and experience yes. them. And so they took me back and they're like, watch how you were never alone. And so getting to see, so for example, they're like, why do you think you have a wonderful husband that makes you feel safe? Mm -hmm. You know? And so I was like, wow, I was never alone. I was, I was never alone. And Thank you for showing me this now because it would have been completely different if I would have experienced or remembered this five years ago, you know? Right. So I was ready for this. The next part, the third part in in, in that retreat was probably the hardest because they showed me from my uncle's perspective and Mm. also like, well, this also happened to him. Yeah. And so 
it's happened in our family for a lot of generations. And then they're like, this is the, this is the cycle that you're here to break. This is the thing that we are going to release through you. And I had a very mystical experience of, you know, you're familiar with energy, right? And Mm -hmm. when it comes to the body and sometimes you feel things and, Mm -hmm. and, and see things. And I could feel all of that energy kind of coming through my body where I had almost no control of my body. And Mm -hmm. I know that I was transmuting and clearing a lot of that. You can call it karma. You can call it, you know, like debt, negative energy, whatever you want to call it. But it was, you know, being able to be neutralized through me. And I kept seeing like this chain just like breaking. Mm. (laughs) I'm like, where are we at? So that, I mean, that was probably the most transformational Mm. experience and the part that was crazy is like I always felt like it was there but I didn't necessarily know what that was Mm -hmm. and I feel like a lot of people feel that they feel something and but they don't know what it is and whether their brain you know pushed it in the subconscious to protect them or if they've just blocked it out or you know whatever but you can't get away from the sensation of feeling like Mm. there's there's something else. Yes, yes. Well, thank you. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Of course. And I com- completely agree. You're spot on. Is We experience something from childhood and the fear takes over to protect us. So mm-hmm. you're right. It's like holding on to it in the corner of a brain. Like, let's not let her or him see this because mm-hmm. it's brutal. It's traumatizing. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. And there's some things that they can hold in, right? So there's a little piece that is maybe I feel like I always have to protect myself. So I can't fully give myself. I can't fully receive because I have been hurt so terribly. Mm-hmm. But we don't know that, right? I mean, I experienced that myself growing up. I had a, a sexual assault as well. And then I didn't know it until... 35 years later that I was like, oh, I'm protecting myself. I'm emotionally unavailable. Oh, I can't be vulnerable because I'm still protecting that little girl. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine, he was on the podcast and he was like eight years old when he was sexually abused. And he said it lasted 90 seconds. But yet the memory, the the, the trauma, the, the shrapnel because he was also a a veteran, lasted his lifetime. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't until he was able to really, kind of like what you said, kind of go through something, he went through a a time where he thought he might get divorced. So he was really like, that's it, I'm diving in. He was also in a car accident, so a lot of things had happened Mm -hmm. leading up to that going, okay, we can't ignore this anymore. Mm -hmm. And now he's like a completely changed person, He's helps others, you know, give a voice to what they've gone through. Mm -hmm. And I think, especially in the American society, it is almost as if it were taught to just sweep things under the rug. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, that didn't happen. We hold on to, you said generational, we hold on to the secrets. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, we can never talk about this. And I've had uh, so many people in my life tell me how that that maybe they were adopted, but they were actually, their aunt is actually their parents. And, and, but they were adopted and shifted around to parents because it was a single parent or a rape incident or something. Mm -hmm. There's so many secrets that our generations Mm -hmm. have hidden from us that I believe our generation now is the, the generation to, I have chills as I say this, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the generation to really heal. You know, first we heal ourselves and then we can heal the generations behind us mm-hmm. by able to, and then literally protect the generations ahead of us because we break and broke that chain. Just like you said, I had an incident where I was at a, at a retreat and this woman literally couldn't speak as she was telling what happened to her. Mm-hmm. And my mentor, Ron Britton, said, is what is going on? And she said, I feel like I have chains, literal chains around my neck. And at the time I 
I wasn't uh, trained for mm-hmm. Reiki, but I was just picturing in my mind, like helping her pull off those chains. Mm-hmm. And the, when she was done with sharing, my hands and arms hurt as if I would had pulled them and I hadn't moved, but it just, mm-hmm. I felt that. And I think that's what we're, we're doing mm-hmm. is we're helping everyone just release those chains and be okay with the muck and the mire that we've gone through. And it's not that it, I mean, you're not a bad person that it happened to you. Mm-hmm. It just is. Yeah. And I think that it's, um, like you said, we're just taught to hide, right? No one wants to see the darkness. No one wants to see the ugly part, the messy parts. And we're taught to filter everything. Mm -hmm. But that's where the realness comes in. I think, you know, now we're learning that vulnerability is such a strength. Yes. And sharing these these, you know, bliss bombs and, and being authentic in your journey and who you are. Because everyone goes through something, right? Everyone has trauma. Mm-hmm. And I think when we start to com- try to compare traumas or try to, you know, the, we stop validating the things that we have gone through. I think that's another thing that we sometimes tend to do. Mm-hmm. But what was really um, surprising to me is when I started opening up about my story to people and they were like wow you know me too mm-hmm. but it's almost like they waited until I shared my story and I mean this was students and mentors and you know people in the community that I would I had no idea right so I just encourage people to share their truth because you never know by you being vulnerable and stepping out and you know sharing that you may be, you know, saving someone's life. You may be giving them enough courage to see that there is hope, mm. that there is that they're not stuck, and that there is healing if they choose, if they choose to. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. For me, what shows up when I hear of vulnerability is how, when you practice being vulnerable, it's building your courage muscle. Mm-hmm. And so for those of you who are listening and you have experienced something that you have been unwilling to feel, unwilling to talk about, unwilling to be vulnerable, even if it's with yourself, we encourage you, I'll like speak for Alex too, mm-hmm. we encourage you to just have that, build up that courage muscle to be vulnerable, one with yourself, and then know that you are supported And if you feel like, well, I don't have support, it's okay for you guys to say that, but I don't have support, then reach out, whether it's to Alex or myself, or, you know, maybe if we can't help you, there was somebody in in your community, in your area, that um, we might be connected to. That's the great thing about, you know, how Alex started this in the first place, is that we're all the collective. We are all connected. So if you need support, we will definitely, you know, help you if we can. So, gosh, thank you so much for sharing. And, you know, I just have such an open heart right now to, to just think we could continue to talk about this just a little bit more because I think there's something, especially with when people have gone through, you know, some of my listeners are, are from the military or been in the military. So I think there's something that, you know, even in that area of their life, it might not be something that is a sexual trauma, but it might be something as being bullied even mm-hmm. that they've been unwilling to share. And as we know, as mental health, it is not it, when you put things in the darkness, you're not giving the opportunity for the light to even shine in. Mm-hmm. You're not even giving yourself an opportunity to heal. Right. So, and sometimes people are like, they blow it off of oh it's the military suck it up buttercup Mm -hmm. but it's like no really like if it if it's still affecting you Mm -hmm. then that part has to heal right so what advice would you give that someone is listening and going gosh that is me and it wasn't again that comparing trauma they're like oh it wasn't that bad right so what advice would you give them so i would say to not run away from those feelings right 
So even if you're not ready to physically reach out to someone, like how you said, you know, be ready to explore these feelings with yourself, whether that means through journaling, being in stillness, doing some type of guided meditation to release, but allowing for those sensations, those memories to come up and letting yourself breathe through them, mm-hmm. right? Because when we start to feel uncomfortable and we start to feel those emotions bubble up, we tend to just, nope. No, thanks. I'm going to jump up and do something to keep myself busy from feeling this. And so almost letting yourself sit through that, right? Mm. Explore these emotions, feel them, honor them so that you can release them and that they don't become stuck. And just something that kind of came forth about bullying. So I feel like that really changes you. So I have been on both sides. I feel mm-hmm. like I've been bullied and I have also bullied. Same here. So when I was little, you know, I immigrant child, English was my second language. I've always had this connection with elders and teachers. I just really connect with them. So I was like teacher's pet, right? So <laughs> definitely it was not a favorite of my classmates. And so I got picked on a lot in elementary school. I didn't have friends. I didn't get picked to go on field trips with people and all the things, right? And I always go back and honor that little girl because I'm like, wow, you were so resilient mm-hmm. in the way that she would kind of you know, it's like the fight or flight or freeze. Mm-hmm. She had another way of doing where she was just would almost ignore it. And she would, I would tell myself, I guess as a child, like, oh, they're just joking. <laughs> they're just, they're just playing with your girl. They do like you. They love your eyebrows. <laughs> I remember one little boy always made fun of my eyebrows. And <laughs> Which she has amazing eyebrows, by the way. But then what happened in that transformation from elementary to junior high and even high school, it's like something clicked within me that was like, well, if you're not going to like me, then you're going to fear me. Mm, yes. And then, and then I was the bully and I didn't really pick on people that were, you know, weak. It's almost like I would search out the people that were already bullying other people mm-hmm. or the people that were super aggressive towards other people, or if someone was picking on my brother or my cousins, and then I would be even more aggressive, which isn't any better to be a bully to the bully. But, and, and at times it got physical. Mm. And I always have to go back and be like, wow. So because I didn't have the tools to be able to either um, say how I felt and I would run away from it, then it just transformed me. So this this almost like darkness came out in, in, in a way that was so aggressive. Yeah. And then the next step for me was really to befriend this darkness because what happened was I remember... I got into a physical altercation and I just blacked out. And Mm. when I came back into consciousness, I was basically, you know, choking this girl out and she wasn't breathing. And I remember I just froze and I was like, oh, wow. Like, and I remember my my voice in my head saying, like, you could have killed her, you know? And that was really intense for me. And so for a long time, I would ignore that. So I became overcorrected and then became a you know people pleaser because mm-hmm. I never wanted to <clears throat> unleash that darkness again right like that was scary right. that that's not safe that's not something and so now understanding that everybody has a piece of them within that is dark right then mm-hmm. but it's you having control over it not letting it control you so for me it came where I'm like, I had to accept, like, yeah, there is something within me that can kill someone. Now, I want to be able to have that within me if someone threatens me or my children, if, you know, our safety is at risk, you better believe this is going to come out because I'm going to need it, Mm -hmm. but I'm not afraid of it. Right. And that was... I think in my healing journey is like understanding like this isn't a piece of me that I need to hide or um, be shameful about because at that point in life, I didn't have any tools. I didn't know. Now, do I, every time I go home, I go back and apologize to someone? Yes. (laughs) I'm sorry to all of those who I wasn't nice to, but I know that that's there and she doesn't because I've befriended her and because I've acknowledged her, 
she doesn't need to like poke out. She doesn't need to charge anymore. Yeah. She's heard. Yes. She has a seat at the table. But me, Alex, who I am now, I'm going to look at all my other tools and all my other <laughs> possibilities before, you know, we choose physical, you know, physical harm. And hopefully that will never happen again. But for a long time, I feel like until you spend that time with yourself, until you call in your sovereignty and your healing, then you're kind of a puppet to the emotions, to the mm. darkness, to your trauma. And you're just, you know, kind of back and forth getting pulled from one thing to another. And that can be very draining. And that's where I feel people feel lost. Yes. Because they don't even, <clears throat> it's it's like they can't find solid ground. They're just being pulled and yanked from one place to another. But it's in that time of stillness mm. that you kind of put your stake in the sand and you anchor down and you connect to that part of you that is your soul that is pure that is connected to god and you're like oh i'm so much more than all of these other things that i'm experiencing there's a part of me that is light Mm. and pure and all of these different things that i've experienced these lessons these parts of me add to my story but I'm no longer just reading a story. Now I'm the author. Now mm-hmm. now I remember that I keep writing this story and when it's time to move to another chapter. And so, yeah, it's I always call it it's like coming back home. Mm. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that. I, I too, was a bully because mm-hmm. I was bullied. Mm-hmm. And I fully um, believe with everything I am is that hurt people hurt people. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, the reason we're, we are hurting is because of loss. There's grief there mm-hmm. that we don't know how to process at such a young age. Our innocence was lost. Mm-hmm. And then we become, as adults, lost. And we don't know how to deal with that. It's things that pop up in the past. And it's really about allowing yourself to grieve Mm-hmm. And it could be a grieving of, it doesn't have to be a person who dies, like we typically think of grieving. It can be of a, a friendship. It can be of a goal that we had our whole being focused on and everything. And it was like, this is what I'm going to do, hell or high water kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, that didn't happen. So we have to grieve that, to let that go, to be able to surrender to allow the next part of us, mm-hmm. which is the empowerment part. Because, like you said, that healing and you bring in the sovereignty, when you find that, there's this piece of you that is like, now I get to create. Mm-hmm. What is it that I want this to look like going forward, rather than this is what I've done all along, and this is what I can have to continue to do. You've now chosen to gr- heal, mm-hmm. chosen to feel chosen to grieve and now you get to create right so i love i love that story so empowered people empower people absolutely and how you were saying just grieving i feel like we're constantly shedding skins right we are constantly evolving so you have um that grieving for yourself too right yeah sometimes we try to hold on to who i am in this moment needs to be who i'm going to be the rest of my life and that's not how it works as we continue to expand and to grow and to experience there are layers that need to be shed so that we can step into the next person so there's that that grieving too for who who we are Mm -hmm. and you know i would say like alex 2.0 and 3.0 i don't even know what (laughs) what point i'm at now (laughs) but but you know that constant change and evolving but as you start to kind of move with those cycles and you're like oh, okay this is ending i can love it go mm-hmm. instead of like clawing to keep it where it's at and then you start to flow and then you're like but there's something else that's coming and you start to trust those cycles mm-hmm. i think and the more that you start to trust those cycles the easier that it is to transition through those cycles because 
I think in the beginning that those leap of faiths were so scary Scary. because the gap was so long because I was like so tight Mm -hmm. in that, I won't say like death period Mm -hmm. and that grieving period of letting go. And it's like, you want to be like, okay, but now, but now, but now, you know, like, like a kid in the background, like, are we there yet? (laughs) Are we there? Are we there at bliss yet? (laughs) Are we at growth yet? Instead of just like, looking you know looking out the window and enjoying the scenery letting letting it go letting now i feel for me at least the the cycles are a little bit faster mm-hmm. i understand them and i can adapt a little bit better and i'm like okay on to the next yep. next thing on the next level mm-hmm. yeah i love that i love that well, our time is coming to an end soon. We've talked so obviously we could talk for 12 hours. Yeah. I just have a few questions left. So what would you like to be your legacy? What do you want to be remembered for? Mm, my legacy. So I would say like I want to be like a hummingbird, right? Mm-hmm. Because one, when you see a hummingbird, you just stop, mm. right? They're so like, majestic in a, mm-hmm. such a small way and you can't help but smile and you look at them and you see how they're kind of buzzing around and hovering and j- looking at a hummingbird if you allow yourself to be in that moment can truly like shift your day and just shift your energy mm-hmm. and so I want to be able to be that for people to remind them that there's so much beauty around, that mm-hmm. there's so much abundance and joy and to let go of the story of the mind and the black mentality and sometimes the stories that we've created, you know, for ourselves mm-hmm. through our traumas or experiences and to really remember, to yeah. really remember. And so... I hope that my legacy is just a legacy of love. Mm. Yeah. I love that. I, I love that. And uh, mm. you are living it already. Mm. You just have such a, a gift to love. So you are living that. And, you know, you bring up hummingbirds. I'll just share this story. My mom passed away. And then two months later, we decided to have her service for travel reasons and all that. And honestly, she didn't want a service. So we had a celebration of life luncheon after church, mm-hmm. after her church. Leading up to that, uh, a few days before her service, my best friend back home, son, committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And his service ended up being the day after. So after her service, I had to then, the next day, drive two hours for his service. And as I was leaving her home, which is now where my brother has had, had moved into, she had loved hummingbirds herself. She mm-hmm. had lots of ornaments in her house, but hummingbird feeders. And as I got in my car and driving down the the driveway, it was had a little bit of a curve to it. And then, you know, when you see a hummingbird, you they're so energetic and flighty, and they're back and forth, back and forth. Mm-hmm. And this. I could see out of my passenger window, Hummingbird did not go back and forth. He stayed right with me. She mm-hmm. stayed right with me uh, until I got to the end of the driveway. And I was like, wow, that's my mom. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then I drive two hours and I get to my friend's parents where she was. And I just hug her and hold her for, I don't know, several minutes. When I stepped back, something caught my eye on the the left and I happened to look over and there was a hummingbird feeder with now two hummingbirds Mm. and I just feel like it was my mom and her son Mm -hmm. and I just you know Alex uh, knows this as well but I just feel like we are getting messages constantly from people who have passed on right they're showing up in different ways and cardinals is definitely one but i believe hummingbirds is too absolutely yeah it's like they're still with us even if the physical body isn't here and being able to almost create a relationship and communicate with them in a way without the physical body is sometimes hard but once you it's done through the heart right yes and so once you allow yourself to believe and to see and to feel you feel them there. Mm, yeah. Beautiful. 
Well, how can people connect with you? I'm sure they're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what she's got, but I want a part of it. <laughs> yeah, all on my website, everything, um, social media, it's all my business names, Villalobos Vitality. It's very long, but... Can you uh, spell it for us? Yeah, it's V as in Victor, I-L-L-A-L-O-B as in boy, O-S, and it's my maiden name, and it means village of the wolves in Spanish, mm. and so wolf is is a very special spirit animal for me. But Instagram, YouTube, I have a lot of guided free guided meditations on my YouTube. That's also via Loveless Vitality. But my website has everything from, you know, one-on-one to coaching to I love retreats. You can find all of that information there. And do you do distance? Absolutely. Uh-huh. Okay. So if yes. someone's like in California or New York, they're like, oh, how do I get in touch with you being in the middle of the country? Yeah. So you do Zoom as well. Absolutely. Because we don't physically need to be present with one another, right? To connect uh, prayer, Reiki, energy, everything is felt, even if we're long distances apart. So absolutely. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. I love you. I love you. This has been so fun yeah. and long, long waited. So I'm yes. glad we finally made it happen. Grateful. And I always like to leave with this question of what phrase, scripture, or mantra are you living by right now? Mm. My favorite quote is Nelson Mandela, I never lose. I either win or learn. So always a student. Always a student, always asking questions and learning and growing. So, I love that. And it it shows you are Mm. a student. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening to The Power of Investing in People. We hope that you maybe loved this story or loved Alex's story and maybe even took some notes because, man, she dropped some nuggets. Even Maybe even a little tear or two dropped out of your eye, that little liquid uh, release there. So please go over to Apple Podcast and give us a five-star review. And until next time, let's get fired up. Did you know that when you share the knowledge that you gained from an experience, it becomes wisdom? There is power in sharing your voice of wisdom inside a book to leave a legacy for generations to learn from your experience. And then add collaborating with other leaders. Your legacy makes an even bigger impact. Like co-author Joe Bogdan, who shares in his chapter how being better has no finish line. He said his experience in the hashtag Firestarters book project has been nothing short of amazing. From him being a first-time author, he loved our supportive approach and we earned his trust immediately. If you're curious about joining the next collection of Firestarters co-authors, then join the movement today at firestartersbookproject.com.